Hi, my name is Dr. Russell Thackeray, and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a series of podcasts to help you thrive in life, whatever life throws at you. You'll hear from interesting guests who help you build tips, skills, and strategies to make the most of whatever it is you're doing in life and build happiness and well-being. Listen through to the end for an offer for a free ebook. Now settle back and enjoy today's episode. So today we're going to talk to Rachel Cullen. Um, Rachel and I have been trying to arrange a, a meeting or a podcast session for some months now, so I'm very excited to be getting a, finally the chance to chat to her and talking all about running and mental health issues and thriving and all sorts of different things. So hi Rachel, how are you this morning? Hello Russell, thanks for uh, having me on your, your podcast. I'm very well, um, indeed the sun's shining and, and I'm, I'm happy to be, to, to be talking to you. And um, those of you who are not familiar with all sorts of regions of the UK, you have a you have a, a a very distinctive accent. So tell us where you're from. A very distinctive accent. This, this is my uh, this is my pro, this is my radio voice, Russell. I'll have you know, she says, joking. I am um, I'm from Yorkshire. Um, I'm from Halifax um, in West Yorkshire. So um, that would be the, the Yorkshire twang that you may be picking up there. <laughs> Isn't that where the new Doctor Who's from, or somewhere where um, she had to explain where what her accent meant? It was so, it's from that, sort of... is that. Is that the case? I'm not a Doctor Who. Um, I'm not a Doctor Who person, so I, all I've seen is, is the face on the billboard. I don't know if she is from Halifax. Then, then great, yeah, yeah, us. Um, you know, Yorkshire's rocking it by, by the sounds of it, but I'm, I'm not aware. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in Yorkshire is very proud. Well, anyways, great to talk to you. So, Richard, how would you describe what you do, and or tell us a little bit about who you are and what you've been up to? Oh, this is this is the, the question that oh, it fills me with, you know, really, where do I start? And, and that's the same for. For all of us, I would guess, how do you define in, in a few words who you are and what you do? And I think it's really, to, to not want to, to go sort of too sort of deep into issues very early doors, but isn't it funny how many of us define ourselves by what do you do? Um, <laughs> so in a nutshell, potted history, um, I I was a lawyer. Um, I qualified in the early 2000s as commercial litigation solicitor. Um, I didn't feel as though that was my particular calling in life. Um, I, I then went on to be a, a business owner. Um, I changed careers, retrained, and set up my own business, uh, fitness business um, in 2007. Worked in that, loved that. Sold it in 2012, and then I, I became I became a mum during that time as well. Um, and then I um, wanted to pursue my love of, of writing and running and generally sort of doing things for um, for my own, um, yeah, doing things that, that I dreamed of doing really. So fast forward to today um, and I'm now um, an author um, of the book, uh, Running For My Life. I know we're going to go into some of that story today, but that came out in January this year. Um, and I'm now writing the follow-on story to that, um, which I would expect maybe out in early 2020. Very good. So it's interesting you're one of those people that's had a number of different careers. So, um, I mean, I find that quite inspirational myself as someone who's done a similar sort of thing. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thing, isn't it, when people are being asked at the age of 16 or 17 what they're going to do for the rest of their life. And... It's interesting. You started off in the sort of law and have ended up doing this sort of world. It's it's quite fascinating how life is changing. We so we need to be so much more flexible, don't we, and agile, and we think about and we think of, and the way we think about what we do. 
Yeah, and I think also about, um, and one of the, the big parts of, of my story in many different ways is about labelling. Um, and I think it's very important to remember um, that it's too easy to sort of a presume or you know and or assume that something that you um, you know you may be steered towards or you you may be interested in or you may not um, that may be um, relevant to you for, for 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 a short period of time for a long period of time for an entire career who you know you may be one of those people that literally is you know, is born with this desire to, to be a doctor, to be a lawyer, to do those things. Or you may be somebody like myself who has had to try um, try and work out what that is and take all the positives from the things that I have done and from all the things I have experienced, of which there are many, um, and not to look back and with any regret and think, oh, God, you know, um, you know, those years, those seven wasted years of, of legal training to then not be in corporate, um, you know, apparently well-paid mm. uh, career um, and to be sort of starting again as I did, setting up my own business and, and, and with all the, um, with all that comes with that, you know, it is a very vulnerable place to be. Um, but I think, you know, one of my things is the art of survival, in my opinion, are one of the, the, the greatest skills you can you can um, have been able to to be to be able to survive is adaptability, um, and I think that has proven to be um, very valuable for me during my professional and personal personal life. That's that's interesting. I mean, you're, you're almost defining resilience as you're going along there, and um, and of course, what we know is that those seven years weren't wasted because of course they've led to where you are and you've and as long as you've learned something from those years then it's you know it's really interesting I, I find I find you know years ago I was a professional musician and I still find myself today falling back on skills and things that consciously I consciously unconsciously picked up all those years ago so things don't go away as long as you can integrate them into your life so n nothing needs to be wasted in a way as long as you have a sort of a love of learning and as you say see yourself as being adaptable as possible. Tell me more about, though, this um, concept of labelling. I was quite interesting when you mentioned that. Yeah, so um, I think, well, it happened, and it, yeah, God, it happens to, to, to all of us to, to some degree, to a greater or lesser degree. Um, it happened very um, very early in my, in my life. I was, I was labelled as a sort of an academic, an academic type, a non-sporty, um, studious, um, almost a geeky type of, of, of a youngster, all of which were true, um, and all of which you know, I wouldn't um, have any qualms about any of those those labels. But for me, it sort of it ended up with me going down a path that eliminated any other um, any other possibility for me. So um, bringing to play the running reference and that part of my story and the fitness and the body confidence and the um, the way that later in life I had to find that for myself because it was almost written off as being something that wasn't a part of who I am who I would be mm -hmm. uh, and even who I could be um, growing, growing as I as I grew up um, so that label um, it really impacted on me as a youngster I mean even silly things like you know doing my older sister's homework because I could um, and she wasn't academic so therefore. She was she was sort of um, encouraged to do the, the more um, you know the, the non-academic kind of uh, hobbies and interests, sort of ballet classes, that kind of thing. Whereas for me, it was strongly felt that oh, Rachel picks things up very quickly. She's a good learner. She loves reading. She's studious. Yeah. 
So <laughs> therefore, you see where I'm going with this. I there do. were there were there were clear there were clear um, avenues that I was encouraged down, and without any active thought going into these, I, I would say there was certain areas of life that I, that I wasn't particularly led towards, and I don't think that was a very conscious thing from from my parents at all. I think it was just they were trying to follow my well, what appeared to be my, my natural inclinations, but as I discovered later in life, there was far more to me than that, and actually some of those labelling some of the labels I experienced, I found really put me in a corner and, and um, shoot, you know, I felt very, um, I felt very repressed in, in, in that, the very small pigeonhole in which I've been placed. It is interesting, it, it is fascinating as well, I mean, we do have this labelling bias in psychology, don't we, and it's, I suppose, a way of grouping things together, but you are, as an adult, increasingly sort of allowed to choose your own label or not be defined by the label. I find people who've done psychometric tests and things who have decided I'm an IFJP or a blue or a pink or a, um, you know, a roaring 40 or whatever it might be. We sort, we sort of seem to like these things because they make life easier. They're sort of, it's code between us. But the trouble is when that, when that limits your choices and options or it's not something that you choose to be defined as. It's a problem, isn't it? We see this in gender and orientation and such yeah. like. And I know also we see it in mental health as well, and I wonder if you suffered from some of that as well. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I really I could fill this entire podcast with the, the subject of, of labelling because, you know, I found that, you know, I sort of forced myself out of that box and I created a, um, a new me, I mean, hence the title of the, of the, of the book. Mm. Um, you know, I, I really did... Um, go out in my way to prove to myself that I wasn't just those things. I was more and I could be more than those than those things. Um, and I think I've done that in a professional context, as I mentioned. Um, and also, you know, you pick up on the mental health um, element, and, and that's a big part of my story. I mean, throughout all of the years that I was a, a lawyer, um, apparently in this happy, successful life, you know, I was married, and, you know, we had... We had the, you know, the, the, the good size house with the two cars and the, the room for a, if not a pony, then then a, then a very large dog. And <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I, apparently I was living a successful life as a twenty-year-old, but all the while, mm. I was um, I was on Prozac for a period of twelve years, feeling very trapped and very miserable, and um, suffering from mental health issues, bipolar disorder, body dysmorphia, um, to name two, um, and I was drinking um, unhealthy amounts of, of alcohol combined with the Prozac throughout that period of time, which just led to, and it, that was just about my sadness, that was just um, a symptom of me living a life that just wasn't authentic to me, it didn't feel authentic to me, um, but where it comes to the labelling, um, I guess I was terrified of, of the potential for me to be labelled as somebody who was suffering from mental health issues. So guess what? Back in the day, you just didn't mention it because of that fear. Yeah. Um, so I think for that period of time, it was like an invisible um, ball and chain around my my ankle. I was dragging around with me, sort of suffering um, with the knowledge that I was, um, you know, I, that I had uh, mental health difficulties and I knew I was not in a good place for quite a long period of time not you know but you know due to the the fear of the labeling in a professional context and also a personal context you know it was not the done thing 
Um, and I was very frightened of actually just saying, hang on, this is this is the the place that you know that I'm at this is how I'm feeling about things I tended to keep uh, many things to myself and so I guess that the fear of labeling in the mental health context um, was a was a reality for me and I found that very difficult Mm. it's interesting though isn't it because I mean you were living somebody else's definition of a good of a good life but but (laughs) not but not your own but I just wonder when we're in our early 20s or you know late teens whether we do actually have the wherewithal to to define what is our ideal life at that stage without having experience of what isn't in a funny sort of way. Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, and, and I, re- I made reference before, I do believe there are those people who have a deep knowing of, of their destination, of what they um, what they want, what they need, who they are. Um, and, and that's great for them. And, you know, for those people that, that have this inbuilt sense of direction, that's a great thing, um, and the, the the other facts to, to sort of counter that is there are many people who don't. Mm. I think it's, it's simply, for me, is a case of keeping an open mind and grabbing hold of opportunities that life may present, um, of which I've had so many opportunities that have literally just crossed in my path. You know, throughout the whole the whole journey, just real sort of um, bizarre synchronicities that it's like the sliding doors moment. If you you know you either see that and and take that opportunity, um, and your life goes in one direction, or you don't see it, you don't take, you choose not to take it, and your life goes in another direction. And that happens to all of us all the time. I think either you are open to that and to the possibilities um, that that may and does contain or, or you, you may be not you may be a bit blinded into feeling a bit hemmed in and you don't necessarily see the opportunity that life throws at us on, on you know a, a really regular basis mm. yeah it's interesting isn't it you know, got me thinking i'm just i'm just wondering whether that um once you change the label actually the synchronicity is just the the, the usual process of you know your brain aligning you allowing you to see these things and actually the more resilience you have the more risk of it less risk of it you are because you're more used to having a go at things um, yeah I think I, I would definitely agree with that and, and I think it's funny really strange things have, have happened um, to me a lot along this journey and just one random example is um, when I did change careers and, and by the way I do want to make it clear you do have um, a business um, you know largely business business people and um, I would imagine listening to, to the podcast, um, the response I got to leaving my legal profession, retraining and setting up my own business as a, as a, as a personal trainer, that was my choice, that was what I wanted to do. Mm. The response I got to that was 90% of the time entirely fear-filled and negative. Yeah. Um, that was the reality. I was met with wave after wave of, you doing what? Are you serious? Are you actually serious here? Are you doing this? Um, And I think that is something that, again, you have to build your resilience up to to sort of be able to to cope with with other people's fear and negativity, which is on top of any that you may have Mm -hmm. yourself. And the story I was going to, to relate to these synchronicities I had made that decision. I was utterly convinced it was the right thing for me to do, and, and it was the right thing for me to do. Um, and 
I then sought out to, to gain some experience of working in the industry. So I, um, you know, aged um, then 27, fully qualified solicitor, um, went into a local gym and um, offered to be um, a, gym, a gym instructor. You know, and people look at me and say, are you serious? Are you really doing this? Um, but anyway, one day, um, a chap who trained down there said, um, just in conversation, he said, do you know what, you you know, have you thought about, about opening up your own studio? You know, you don't have to work down here, you know, you could run your own, you could run your own studio, have your own, your own place. Mm. Within a week of that conversation, it turns out that gentleman had a business park in a lovely rural area of, um, of, of West Yorkshire. I went along, I took up the opportunity, went along to see this, um, this, what can only be described as a godforsaken old chicken shed, uh, which would ultimately become my fitness studio that I ran and loved for five years. Wow. And, and that was literally taking the opportunity, having a conversation, being open-minded, you know, I, I had the choice to either, you know, he wasn't pushing me, he, he didn't care less if, if I would, you know, if I wanted to run my own business in my own studio or not, why would he care? Um, but I did pick up the phone and I said, you know what, I'd like to come and see these, these, you know, these old chicken sheds that you've got. Um, and when I saw it, in the, the place that it was, with the scenery that, you know, that surrounded it, and it was, you know, there were, there were chicken um, feathers and it was matted with, with chicken stuff all over the floor. It was just mm. in a horrendous condition. Sounds foul. But I could see through it. And yeah. that, that was one of those moments where... It was like, actually, is this me following something? Is life, is life making this happen for me? <laughs> and all I have to do is sort of follow, a bit like Hansel and Gretel, follow the clues. And don't misunderstand, this, it, it doesn't mean that it was easy. I still had to apply for, for finance. The bank still turned me down for a very modest business loan because they didn't believe in the viability of my business. Well, they were wrong on that. So this isn't to say that it was easy, but it's just talking about those opportunities and when you choose, um, you know, choose wisely because you know it may be the door to, to to another future that you can't even imagine. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? Because the old maxim of well, what's the worst that can happen? It's really an interesting part in this, isn't it? Because you could have left law, started a business, and you said, well. The worst that can happen is you have to go back into law. You always have that, and everybody always has a fallback position, don't they? Um, and knowing that is then, you know, allows you to make those choices. So tell me, tell me what led on to you want a wanting to write a book first of all, because it's not something that everybody wants to do. Even though some people say that there's a book in all of us. <laughs> and I firmly believe there is. I mean, the more people I talk to, and this is you know without joking at all, the more people I talk to, and the more stories I hear of other people's experiences and, and you know it does it re that really is, is the case and I don't believe it's the case that everybody should um, you know go down that it's not right for everybody just like being a musician isn't right for, for everybody or you know it's not everybody's um, you know goal or destination nor should it be but everybody you know the more I hear people tell me about their own experiences and, the, and their own lives the more it makes me think wow you know god you know we do have all that um, in us and we've got such a lot to share and, and to help each other. In terms of my writing, I guess it's twofold. Um, 
one is I've always loved writing and I've always been um, sort of inclined into um, just in, into writing. And I, I guess, you know, back in the day, I remember winning a prize for a story I'd written about Pip, this three-legged dog that, that lived down our, our street um, at school. And that really stood out to me as being something that I could do well. And, um, and, and I was recognised for that. Um, and then, I guess, it just fell by the wayside throughout my 20s. And, and, um, and then I started writing a blog about my running experiences um, and I guess I'm, I'm really cutting this into a, I'm really sort of condensing um, this for your audience, but the, the book came about because um, it was the, the, the day before the London Marathon 2015 and um, I was in the bath and I was about to run my, uh, my third good bridge um, London Marathon place. Having come from a background of, of very poor fitness, mental health and, and physical fitness, um, because age 16 I, I was overweight and couldn't run for 10 minutes on a treadmill, so the journey I'd been on to get to that place, um, to qualify for good for age, um, I then had a marathon time of 3 hours 16, um, wow. which, I, which I'd, I'd um, achieved that in, in the autumn uh, before the, the, the London Marathon 2015, so it just struck me that there are a few things really. One was, oh my goodness, how on earth am I here? Mm. There was something about me just wanting to tell that story and the, the journey that I've been on. And the other reason was many people labelled me <laughs> then who hadn't known me in the years before, so for example, I would get comments such as, oh, it could be easy for you, you you've run a marathon before, or um, look at you, you're a marathon, you're a running build, you look like a runner. <laughs> All of these things were so far removed from the reality of my journey to get to that place. And I guess it was in some way um, following my own um, inclination to writing um, that I love anyway because, because I just do, it's just in me. Um, secondly, it was just to document for myself, if nothing else, the journey I've been on to get there. And um, thirdly, just to dispel some of this labelling, some of these assumptions and presumptions that I was somebody who either for whom this came naturally or this was somehow without the effort that other people have to put in or somehow this was just, oh, you're a runner, so you find this easy or so... You know you're a you know you're a fast runner, and it's all subjective, by the way. Um, but all of those things just came together, and I thought, right, I'm just going to write this story, um, and that's sort of where it where it began. And so, who did you write it for? I mean, you know, sorry, what was your sort of target audience in a sense initially? Yeah. Initially, um, just being being perfectly honest and quite self centered about it. Initially, I wrote it for me. Um, I wrote it because I felt it was a story worth telling. I hadn't, I think one of the, the, the key things for me, I didn't want to start going down the, the, the route of sort of identifying key audience, you know, key yeah. uh, relationships and audiences before I'd actually written the story because that comes later in the process, you know, that comes later. If you've got a story to tell and you've got a story that you want to write, whether it's fiction, non-fiction, whatever it is, then just write it. Mm-hmm. Um, the process of for yeah. whom is this relevant? Who would this be of interest to? Um, what does this um, 
you know, who would this even entertain? It's not a self-help book. You know, this has not been written to be placed on the shelves, you know, to, you know, quote-unquote, help people. It's just sharing experiences. Um, so the first thing, that wasn't really on my radar. It was literally a case of, right, let me just write this story that I've lived um, and then later down the line when I had something to consider it then became relevant well, who might be interested in reading this you know who, is this something that you know it's not just for runners oh well you know it's got a mental health element running through um, you know there's a big point in the story turning point at which I enter into my first marathon and that was the pregnancy so me becoming a mum you know it's relevant to to um, to 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 new mums, to, to people who, to women, who for whom that's a fear and for whom they see that as a catalyst for change or as a, as a place at which they make a decision to either, you know, change something or prove they can, they can take on the role of motherhood. And so there is multifaceted, there are many different elements to the story that, that are relevant to, to, to all of us, um, runners or not. So, and, if, and so basically, you know, Anyone can acquire this book. It's called Running for My Life, and it's available on Amazon. So I see, which is which is, and and it has one of those unusual things. Um, you have a five star review, and I mean not just one. You have your overall score is five stars, and so anybody that knows anything about Amazon will know that that this is quite a remarkable book. This is something that Simsax is obviously speaking to a lot of people in a lot of different worlds, like you say, mental health, running, whatever it might be. So. Talk, talk me through the book and how it's structured and, and what sort of people will experience as they begin to read it through. Just give me a bit of a, um, a sort of a, a taster, as it were. Yeah, so the book, um, it begins um, in my childhood. So I've gone back to um, to being a child and, and the very, you know, we started, it's where we started this conversation, Russell. You know, it goes back to mm. the, um, it starts with, um seeing the world through my eyes as a, as a four-year-old child and what that looked like for me. You know, there's a big reference to my mum's mental health. Um, she suffered terribly with um, with manic depression um, back in the day um, before it became, a, you know, even a, a recognisable um, condition. And she had to, she went many years without treatment. So it starts um, from my very young eyes um, and then sort of moves through um, moves through the, the story of, of my life and, and, it, and throughout the book um, fortunately for me you know loving writing as, as I have done um, and as I do um, I've kept diaries throughout all of the all of the years um, you know that, that, that make up the part of you know all of this story and there are extracts um, of those diaries interspersed, um, you know, amongst the narrative, so it gives sort of a a real life um, of the moment um, snapshot into the thirteen year old um, girl who's who's um, comfort eating and, and um, who's sort of identifying these these strange issues that that the term mum the term mum is is sort of showing, and she's not quite sure what to what to do with us or what her part is in that or, or the responsibility she has as a young girl in that um so i guess the format is you know it's a narrative and interspersed um with sort of real life diary extracts 
Um, and that was a real process to dig those diaries out, which, you know, and they do exist, um, I think on the back cover, on one of the inside covers, um, my publishers decided to do like a little montage of, of photographs, and I think a few of the diary, it's only black and white, but you can see some of the, some of the front covers, um, and the, the, those diary front covers from like 1992, I cut out parts of magazines and stuck them on the covers, and you know, wading through those, hours and hours wading through to get the right extract to to reference how I felt at the time and, and who that person was at, at any given stage. It was a really, um, it was quite a quite an emotional process and a very in-depth process to, to wade through all that stuff that not only have I written about it, I've lived it. Um, so yeah, that's the format, and then it, it accumulates in the um, the London Marathon, the very first marathon I ran, and that was in 2011, yeah. uh, when my daughter was seven months old, and that was the goal that I set myself, mm. because I had to come off mental health medication um, for the pregnancy, and the fear of what may come <clears throat> afterwards, sort of, that made me want to set a sort of seismic um goal and for me that was running the marathon and that changed the course of, of my life yeah. um, massively. And it is one of those things that people um, need to bear in mind is this idea that exercise, uh, conquering mental health, coming off prescription drugs and such like is you know, and diet, they're all important things, they all interweave don't they and and, and I think you know I'm reading another reviews and this it says there's this there's this there's it's a book for runners but running is a metaphor as well for you know how of overcoming inner battles and um, and I think it's you know it's showing that actually this is a solution for people not not necessarily competitive running but just exercise to to really take a grip of your own life and exercise and diet and such like it can it can make it it's a transformative transformative thing for your own body and therefore your mind. Yeah, and I think there are a few things um, here, but there's, there's one really, really important message, and that is that this was my goal. I was, I was driven, absolutely driven, and I had absolute conviction that, that this was the right goal for me. What I'm not advocating is that, that, that you don't need to run a marathon to fix your life. You don't need to run a marathon to, to manage your own mental health. That's not the, the deal. Yeah. But it's about empowering yourself and whatever that means to you. And I think there is a massive... You know, you know, it's commonplace, or it should be, um, if it isn't, the connection between physical and mental health. And it was a goal that it was, um, it was relevant, and it was, it was, it was paramount for me to prove that I could realise this this goal um, for a million different reasons. But, but equally so, as you said. This that's not the answer for, for many people, not even everybody. You know, it doesn't have to be that, and you, you know, it can be um, whatever whatever makes you um, filled with joy. It's whatever that thing is that makes you feel alive um, and feel empowered and gives you the strength that you need to manage the other stuff that maybe sometimes comes in and bashes you from from the rock face. And for me, that was running, and, and that it turned into. To be the way that I can manage my my sort of I call it my inner chimp, and um, yeah. if that enables me, whether it's the endorphins or the you know again for so many different reasons, it's the, the the freedom, it's the fresh air, it's the you know the sense of achievement, it's turning up to the start line and being brave enough to be there. 
it's proving I can do something or I've been able to do to do things that, that, that perhaps I was labelled that has been, you know, um, beyond me at, at one point. It's all of those things that have enabled me to, to take a grip of my, my own mental health issues and since that point I've not needed to be on mental health medication and that's for over eight years now. And, and I'm noticing that you also have also other sorts of physical things, but you know, which are liberating, create fear, but obviously a huge sense of achievement. I, I see you've abseiled off Table Mountain, jumped out of a plane at 11,000 feet. That that's creating a reaction in me that I'm not very keen on. Climbing, <laughs> I think the idea of going up Mount Fuji is much more interesting than coming down Mount Fuji. Worked in a game reserve, qualified as a scuba diver, and ridden an ostrich. And they're all things. You need to you need to build up to, don't you? But they're all things that you know when you're feeling better, you can do, and also help you feel better. So getting a grip of life, as you seem to have done, is actually giving you the life that you probably want. Yeah, and also just taking on many challenges and, and yeah. you're just pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And you know, for, for many people, and that was me at one stage. That comfort zone was actually very, very small indeed. And so the idea of a marathon and running a marathon or beyond. Um, you know, would seem re quite literally ridiculous. And um, so, you know, it, this this includes, um, and, it, and, and it, this should be emphasized, emphasized. I would say, by increasing your comfort zone, that 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 incorporates, as it did for me, just putting your trainers on and going out of the door, or whether for you know for a run, for a walk, getting your bike out again. I'm going through the, the process of of you know rediscovering a love of cycling because. Well, I won't go into that. That's a whole other story and another book. Um, but it's doing things that are just incrementally building up your your confidence um, and expanding your comfort zone. So all of those things, you know, getting your trainers on, you run, you go out for, you do a park run, you know, that's five kilometres. If you can't run all of it, then you, you go back next week and you see if you can run a bit more or you see if you can, you know, um, just push yourself a little bit harder next time or, or, you know, do I need to stop? You know, if I need to stop, can I just wait until the next corner where the, the trees are to stop this time? You know, it's those little incremental confidence boosts that ultimately add up and all of those eventually add up to um, whether it's a marathon in literal sense or a metaphorical sense, um, whatever your marathon is and means for you. Um and for me, it's been both. It's been literally running marathons. It's been cycling across Costa Rica. In a few weeks, I'm cycling from Vietnam to Cambodia. It's all of those things. I've got another book that I'm writing. It's getting a publishing deal. It's, it's doing all those things, but all of them require the incremental steps to expand your comfort zone um, so that eventually you believe that these things are possible. Um, and I guess that's the essence of, of the story. And I think, um, you know, what you're demonstrating really brilliantly there, that is you've defined your next label. I mean, you defined a label you want for yourself. And that, and how far away is that from the label you were given? And I think that's really the point of your story, isn't it? It's, you know, you're creating the life you want for yourself, I guess. Yeah, and also the, 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 the reality of that is, and this is an important um, point too, it's being very mindful of the constantly changing nature of that label. So, for example... <laughs> When I um, was in the at the height of my sort of running achievements, and I was getting, um, you know, I, I was I was winning, <laughs> I was winning some some races, and I was getting um, 
you know, the, the, my age category places in, in races. I won a 20-mile road race. Um, you know, when, when I was at the peak of, of, of that and running with everything, it had become all-consuming to me. You're talking in 2016. Then, you know, that that became an unhealthy labelling because then I was Rachel the runner. Yes. But, but, but the journey I then went on, which is a part of the continuing story, is that then became unhealthy. Mm. Because that doesn't define me either. Mm. So running isn't the only thing that gives me self-worth. And I had to go through a process of losing that um, to realise that this person that I've become, this person I've morphed into um, with these running goals and aspirations and achievements, even that is susceptible to change. That isn't the essence of who I am and it doesn't limit mm. who I can be. So the journey doesn't end with me discovering this um you know, oh wow, this is the thing I can do and happy days and we're all sorted. There is a transient nature to all of these, um, to this journey. And I think the moment that you stop and, and think, right, I'm finally here now, this is me, this is it, you've made a fundamental error because, you know, the, the, the nature of life is we're always evolving, we're always, um, you know, the labels are constantly changing and it's being mindful of that. So um, even the, the, the creation of this this Rachel the Runner label, and it it was again still a label. You know, I had to dispel that myth too, <laughs> wow. to become more than that person. And um, so the labeling thing, you see, you see the importance of this. Your first question was was with banks running. Um, that's been a huge part of my journey, mm. both in dispelling the labels that have been given disproving them, then creating my own and having to um, face the reality that that's may, that may not be the ultimate end goal and the label that that's, that doesn't define me either. So it's this continuing journey of, of, of that. And all that's about is like everybody's doing, it's just constant self-discovery, it's just learning, that's all it is, it's, there's no rocket science to it. No. So Rachel, um, been a fantastic chat and I've really enjoyed it and um, you've certainly gone in a different direction to which I thought we were going to be chatting and, I'm, and I've really enjoyed that and thank you for I'm, doing I'm, that. I'm, I'm I, so sorry, did you want me to talk more about my Prozac and alcohol lawyer years? <laughs> certainly not, no no I've thoroughly enjoyed that, it's been fascinating, I think lots of really relatable things for people. If people would like to find out more about you, where should they look and um, tell us more about how to find your book. Yeah, so the book is in all good bookshops, so they say that sounds like something from the television circa 1990. Um, so it's in it. the, yeah, it's in the, the, the likes of Waterstones, and it's on Amazon, so it's, it's um, the audio book is due to come out very soon, so we're excited about that, but you can order it online, it's, it's Kindle um, or, you know, the hard copy on Amazon. Check out the reviews, because we have got some good reviews. It's called Running For My Life, um, and... And yeah, um, and if you're really interested, you can check out um, my social media. I'm on um, Twitter, that's at written by Rach, or I'm on Instagram, um, that's Rachel underscore um, running underscore for underscore my underscore life. <laughs> so if anyone's interested in the ongoing saga and journey that is, um, cool. I guess the self development, um, then then that's where that's where to. To, to find me really and we'll link from our site to yours as well so that's been great Rachel thanks so much for your time I really appreciate it thanks I've really enjoyed the chat thank you Russell good to talk take care thank you 
We hope you found today's podcast useful. If you did, why not subscribe and listen to our other podcasts? We would love it if you could leave us a review. To access our resilience coaching, contact us at info at qedod.com. And finally, if you'd like to download our free resilience ebook, go to qedod.com slash free ebook. Thanks for listening.